Hello. Welcome to PezPod. This is the second Pez Network podcast. My name's David Poyser, a journalist, and today I'm really interested to learn the lessons for the Pez Network from the pandemic. Once again, I'm talking to Johannes Kopf, who's chair of the Pez Network and head of the Austrian Pez. And this time also to Martin Camps, head of the Dutch Pez. So first of all, Martin from the Dutch Pez, you're the newcomer. Can I ask you a little about yourself? Have you been ice skating on those frozen ice on the Dutch canals? Yes, sure, I have. Uh, that was two weeks ago. We have this kind of weather once every 10 years now. Um, it was very cold and the ice was very thick. So we all went skating for one week and everybody was outside. Uh, like in old Dutch paintings, people skating uh, with windmills in the back. Uh, so that's what I've, I've done. But that was only one or two days because then the sun came up again and the ice was gone. Um, oh. So, uh, but, we, but we enjoyed it a lot. Uh, was it was good and it was a good um, uh, after all the the time that people have had to stay at home due to COVID it was good that everybody had a, had an excuse to go outside and have some fun so that was uh, that was very good uh, so that's uh, that's what I've done that weekend normally I go uh, I go cycling in the weekend on my uh, my bicycle through the dunes and, uh, and, and through the glass houses here in the in the west side of the country I think that's easier for you than it is in Austria less hills. <laughs> yeah, we we don't we don't have that much mills. It's quite uh, hills. It's quite flat here, so it's easy, uh, and it's nice. It's nice to do that because you can do that uh, that every weekend. Uh. And in the week times, uh, I'm now chair of the of the Dutch PES, and I used to work at uh, several ministries. Uh, my last job was at the Ministry of Economic Affairs and Climate Policy, where I was the Secretary General, and before I was working at the Ministry of Social Affairs and Employment. Um, where I was the Director General for Employment and responsible for, for relations with social partners and pension funds, etc. So that brings me on wonderfully to my first question. Um, what could you tell me about the importance of good relationships with the government based on the experience of the pandemic? Well, it's uh, for us. It's it's very important as the the government, uh, the Minister of Social Affairs and Employment, in fact, is. Um, the one who gave the mandate to do the things that we do and he is also the one who did that in the covid uh, in the covid period because we started a, a job retention scheme which was quite large and which which was unique and we couldn't have done that without the help of the government it was really a constructive exercise where we sat together uh, one already uh, on a sunday afternoon with all the people involved from the ministry and from the from uh, the dutch pes and together we designed a totally new work, new new scheme, uh, which is called NOW, now, which means something completely different in Dutch than uh, than in English. But it uh, it is meant to to uh, to keep people in jobs uh, and to give money to employers to uh, to continue to pay the people. And we, as I said, we developed that together with the government, and we tried to keep it as simple as as possible which was difficult for the government because, of course, in society there are all kinds of groups and, and businesses who wanted to have exemptions, uh, which would make the scheme very difficult. But fortunately, the minister was very keen to 
keep it as simple as possible because he realized that a difficult scheme would be impossible to execute and to implement. So we were able to uh, to do that uh, together with the government. And um, as a result, we have been um, paying uh, millions of people uh, their salaries over the last year. Well done, the Dutch government, because it's always very difficult for politicians in that situation, as you know from your earlier jobs. Johannes, obviously everywhere all over Europe has very different relations with government. Can you tell us a little bit about yours in Austria and any from the PES network? Thank you. Yeah, of course, the design of PES uh, can be quite different over Europe. I mean, some PES are part of the ministries, others are independent bodies like in Austria. But um, it was clear and also when listening to Martin, it became clear that um, having a good government relation is important because that means they listen to your expertise. Uh, and this is important not only for the PES, but for both sides. If you really want to to build up help quickly, and this was what was really necessary uh, in 2020, uh, you should listen to those uh, you want to execute the new rules. So um, there was, I think, all over Europe, a close cooperation between PES and government. Um, and it was absolutely, uh, I would say, um, success factor for being for being successful and bringing help quickly to the people. That's uh, what we learned in the crisis 2020. Thanks. So we've had good relations with the government, but also we were speaking in the previous podcast about how we've had wonderful relations with the job seekers. You know, we've had love letters from job seekers was the phrase that Johannes has used. What has this happened in Holland? And if it has happened in Holland, Martin, what what can we do to capitalize on this? How can we benefit from it? Well, what is what is interesting is that um, due to the to all the things that we did with COVID, with the uh, with the job retention scheme that we introduced, we were able to make visible all the quality uh, and all the passion that was already inside the organization. This, uh, in in normal times, you can say this was not very visible to for the outside world. We did our work. Uh, over a million people every month got support from us, income support from our pets, and uh, we bring uh, hundreds of thousands of people to work every year. But that was seen as something normal, and always, very often, it's just the things that went wrong that came in uh, in the newspapers or, or it, 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 television. Um, but now we did something that was very positive, and that was that made all this quality of people working uh, at our organization visible for the outside world. Uh, the effect of that was, in fact, that people were very positive. Uh, employers were writing letters. Uh, I was uh, people who spoke to me. The street said, well, you're really doing a very good job. And also um, people who got their income support from us, so employees were very positive about the organization. So we are now ranking very high in, uh, in support from the outside world, from employers, from employees, and also from our own employees who now, um, well, they are proud of what they've done. They're proud of how the society is looking to our PES, to our organization. And, um, and that's, of course, very, very positive. I think that's fantastic news. We talked about this uh, last time, didn't we, in Austria, Johannes? Is there any way you think we can develop and you can use the goodwill that you now have with um, your customers, with the job seekers and with everybody else in the coming year? 
Yeah, of course, we, we should use it. And uh, also, uh, we we have uh, deepened uh, our contacts with employers. And we also got some new groups of customers um, on the employer side, some companies we haven't worked together yet, and so on. So we're really trying hard to, to keep contact with them to keep uh, business and working together. Uh, and to also to use the, the positive um, effects uh, in in our image. Um, I mean, in fact, the best part of our job is that we rise by lifting others. That's the reason why we are proud of being PES workers. Uh, but on the other side, the image of PES, of course, is a crucial factor. Um, and uh, uh, you also have to say that it's not very easy to for PES to build up a positive image. I mean, selling mountain bikes or, or Red Bull is more fun than um, working with unemployment. Um, unemployment, to, to be unemployed is not very sexy. Uh, this is uh, also a problem for our customers. But on the other hand, we all know that finding a job is sexy. So uh, I think the important factor in my view for the future is to to uh, bring the job seekers uh, um, as, uh, to the point where they identify a PES as an institution that tries to help them to find a job or offers them interesting qualification. Um, if PES are really recognized as partners and not as sanctioning authorities, then positive relations can develop and um, maybe we keep the, the positive image we got during the crisis. Absolutely. So and one way I think this might happen is the councillors are now all trained to work from home, aren't they? And how do you think this could work in the future? How will you be able to use this in the future? What effect do you think this will have on the way things work in, in Austria and in, throughout the PES network? Um, I mean, <laughs> the pandemic was terrible and we... We, we learned a lot and we, they teach us or that the pandemic has taught us several things. Uh, one is the fact that we are social beings and that social contacts play an essential role in our life. So I think, uh, and I have the impression of looking at my colleagues in home office, uh, that the attitude towards working in, in the office improved. So the people don't like their jogging trousers and their sofa anymore. They want to come into the office. Um, so I think uh, they want to have lunch together, exchanging uh, uh, professional and personal information. They want to have a coffee, talking to colleagues, and even working in the office um, is better than working in, I don't know, the, the children bedroom or some children bedroom or something <laughs> like that. Uh, so... I think um, uh, on one side, I have to admit that working from, from home has functioned quite well, but I assume that uh, um, um, many of our colleagues are really looking forward to coming back to the office. And I think in the future, we will see more flexible arrangements uh, when they will be in the offices for some months, then they will say, well, I want to work at home for one or two days. That's really something we learned also from the uh, outcasts for teleworking in the 80s, where it was said every second worker will work from home. Uh, and this was wrong. What the people really want is, um, yeah, flexible agreements, some days at home, some days in office. In the Netherlands, I think you already had some teleworking, didn't you, Martin? And how would you think you'll build on this in the future? Yeah, we did. We did. We did have some, um, but of course, COVID has brought us on a totally new platform. You might say, with I mean, with the with the pride that we have inside the organization and trust from outside, we have reached a new level uh, from where we hope to grow further as an organization. And 
um, doing more tech, working more from home, um, organizing our work in a totally different way and with a combination at home and in the office is one of the things that that will change in the future after after Corona, after COVID. Um, we at at the moment virtually all of the twenty two thousand people of our organization are working from home. Uh, me myself as well. Um, I work about four four days every week at home, one one day in the office, and so is everybody. Also, uh, my direct colleagues and, and directors are doing that, and it's working very well. We have a good infrastructure. We have all the the, the, the laptops and the iPads. Everybody has got them uh, at home with uh, big screens is ne- necessary and. Um, and special chairs, so so they people stay healthy while they work at home. Uh, we have organized all kinds of things to stay in touch with each other, with pub quizzes and all kinds of uh, of games and drinks that have been organized in a digital way, and uh, that has worked quite well. Though, of course, everybody is missing each other. People want to see each other, uh, want to chat, uh, chat not through the internet or through WhatsApp, <laughs> but really chat face to face. And for that, uh, in the future, we will definitely go back to the office, but in a totally different way. I think we will, in our organization, in the future, we will work about two to three days at home and two to three days in the office, where um, the office will change in more like a meeting center instead of being a, a traditional office with all the desks in rows or everybody his own room. But it will really start a change in kind of a meeting center. You might say we are going to be... One big startup, Starbucks, uh, where people can have good coffee and uh, and have a good chat and meet each other and uh, and have big or large, small or large meetings together. That will be the the main purpose of our offices in. Martin, are you? I guess. I just like to ask, Martin, are you at, are you at home or even today? Uh, today I'm in the office. With all the technology, it was easier to be in the office. And actually, Tuesday <laughs> is my office day, so. <laughs> it was. Interesting. When we had a phone, we, we had a phone call a few days ago, and Martin was at home. And and um, on the other hand, uh, in Austria, it's not that strict in my organization. I myself, for instance, I was not even one day in home office. Um, uh, but maybe this has to do something with my two younger boys, because there is no, <laughs> it's not quiet enough at home. Yeah, I don't think we yeah. want everybody working in um, in Vienna to say to the boss. I want to go to work so I can get away from my children. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that is, of course, an issue with children uh, who uh, haven't been able to go to school for some weeks. So people had to work at home and have the children around, even teach the children. So everybody had, ma- had to make his own arrangements and it, it required some flexibility also from us as an employer to make it possible for everybody to, to coordinate at home. Uh, and, of course, sometimes the... The cats or the children uh, run through the screen, uh, but that was all right. That is all right. I mean, that's we all have to to um, to adapt to the situation that we're in. Mm-hmm. I think we've just got time for one last question, really, which is about the exit strategy from job retention schemes. Do you think you mentioned the NOW scheme in Holland, Martin? Um, do you think it would be possible? Because I know you've done this at a senior policy level to uh, work out a way of getting out of these job retention schemes, many of which were short-term, weren't they? Yes, we, we are now in the NOA, uh, NOW uh, fourth scheme, uh, and we have planned another one, the fifth scheme, uh, which will uh, run until June. So until summer, we will be in these schemes. 
And some um, some exit had planned had been planned already, but we we skipped that because we had a new lockdown in the beginning of this year. So the exit strategy has stopped. Uh, so we're now thinking about what are we going to do in summer. Well, we all hope that things will be much better in summer and we won't need the scheme anymore. Possibly there will be a, a, maybe a smaller kind of scheme after that, but uh, hopefully not. Then we'll stop. And the most important thing that is that is happening after that is that uh, many many companies have uh, haven't paid their taxes, haven't paid their social premiums, uh, haven't paid their bank loans. So then the question is, how long can we postpone the payment of that to keep uh, keep uh, the companies uh, going? If COVID will take longer than summer, then possibly new new measures will be. Um, uh, will be implemented or will we continue maybe uh, an NOW6 uh, scheme and uh, new, new, new measures will, may come up. But it's, it's going to be difficult. We, we see now that uh, unemployment is relatively low. It's around 3.6% now, which is quite low. It even has, has, um, has, is lower, I think, in January than it was in, in December. We see, uh, as I said, uh, at this moment, uh, one and a half million people who are uh, benefiting from our NOW scheme, about 60,000, 70,000 uh, employers. And um, we hope that, they, uh, that after the lockdown, when the pubs are, are, are open again, um, when uh, the shops are open again, uh, when life is really starting again, that, that the businesses will do better and they won't need our schemes anymore. But we'll see. We, we are really... Checking it very good. Government is is really on it and is really trying to design an exit strategy as good as possible. But because things change quite a lot every time. Uh, on the one hand, we have a, uh, we have lockdowns that we didn't expect. Uh, on the other side, we see that the economy is actually doing much better than we expected. As I said, relatively low unemployment. Even um, bankruptcies are at a record low, which, uh, which illustrates that we we are a bit driving in the dark and don't really know what is uh, what what the exit strategy should be uh, so we'll probably act act very quickly once we're there yes and i think that's what we've shown is how quickly people uh, can respond um well that sounds not as bad news as i thought what do we think in austria johannes in terms of exit strategy um, um we all the pest network as a whole um yeah for, just to give you an, i think um, to an overview about Europe, all the short-time work uh, system worked excellent um, um, and saved uh, millions of jobs over Europe. Uh, and uh, short-time work is an excellent medicine, but uh, with uh, uh, not intended side effects. Uh, and you have more and more side effects the longer it takes. Uh, Short-term work um, uh, pre is preventing structural changes um, and structural reforms and innovation. And there are some branches where um, employment will not come back for maybe some years. Just think of um, uh, the flying industry, um, where maybe business travels uh, will go down because of uh, online conferences, because of COVID uh, situation and so on. So um, it longer it takes it, we, we really have the wish to phase it out. And um, it's really important to find the right moment to phase out short-time work streams. Um, what we want of one hand is, of course, to avoid these unnecessary insolvencies and too big increase in the employment figures. 
but on the other hand, um, we have to, yeah, we have to find a way out of this medicine. And this is what we are discussing in, with the politicians right now, uh, and what even the European Commission is discussing right now, uh, because uh, a, a good way out of this of all subsidies, not only uh, short-term work, is is important. You have already seen changes uh, in the behavior of people. We have people in short-term work uh, schemes that tell the employers that they want to change to part-time work after the crisis and so on. So, yeah, it won't be easy to find the right exit strategy. Maybe, maybe I can I can follow up on that a bit because we 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 are actually already uh, working on the future with creation of uh, joint mobility teams with our, that we are setting up with our stakeholders, um, which are aimed to help people from uh, their current job to a new job. This is a preventive strategy. These people are not unemployed yet, but we foresee and we see that many people, of course, are in a job that may not exist anymore within a year's time. So we uh, support these people to step into this, uh, to join this team, to, to, to accept the help of this team, to uh, orientate themselves on a future job, to get some training, because we see that in some sectors, an, uh, employment will really go down. And Johannes mentioned already a few, uh, but we see, of course, in the healthcare sector, in logistics, uh, in the building sector, uh, in all kinds of technological jobs, technology jobs, we see that there's lots of employment at this moment and there will be lots of employment in the future. So it's important for people to prepare for that uh, and not wait until they're unemployed. Um, so uh, it's better for people to make the change now. Now there's time. Now there's, uh, we're waiting for the new period, you might say, after COVID. So therefore, we, with these joint mobility teams, we, we try to support people to change jobs now uh, from where they are in danger of losing their job to to a more potential job. Thank you, Martin. Sounds like a great initiative. It's a fantastic initiative, isn't it? Yes, this is, mm -hmm. this is as I said, working working on the future of our, our labor market strategy, you might say. So thank you both. Is there a final thought from either of you? Well, let's let's hope uh, uh, let's hope this all will be over, and we will be able to support people to the the, the jobs with potential in uh, after now and after the crisis, and that we, with all the the measures that we have taken, uh, we can really uh, keep the, the bankruptcies at a low level, at the level that is now, and in our organizations and in the economy that we can use the, well, the, the level that we've reached now and the new situation that has occurred due to COVID, I hope we can use it to, uh, to make a, a new step into the future for our organizations and our economies and labor markets. Mm. Yeah. Um, just one last idea. Um, as Martin already said, uh, we're looking forward optimistically and, and, and we only really hope that the vaccination is the game changer. But um, there is, of, of course, there is one problem. I mean, uh, the vaccine is now the, the only solution we've found so far to get out of this social and economic, I would say, disaster. Uh, and in fact, uh, to be honest, there is no plan B yet. Uh, so let's hope this will work, really. Otherwise, we have to contact our colleagues in Japan, where they already have experience uh, doing labor market policy in, uh, I would say, a lost decade in the 90s. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, 
let's hope that this will work and be optimistic. Uh, the, the warm days will come and uh, the vaccine more and more people will get. And uh, yeah, this would be a great success. Uh, and um, then uh, it's, it's more fun to make labor market policy again. Yes, yeah, so, so let's let's hope that we can adapt to the new situation, whether it is with or without a vaccine, and that we won't get into a lost decade uh, situation. Thank you both. I hope you will continue to be able to go ice skating in Holland in the future. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we hope everybody enjoyed this second podcast. I hope we all found it interesting. Um, we hope you could all subscribe and recommend it to your friends in your own PS. In the next podcast, we're going to be looking at the same issues we discussed today, but we're going to be looking at them from an EU dimension. The PES podcasts are produced for the PES network by the European Commission with technical support from Econ Institute. The technical producer is Mark Bota. We hope you will join us next time. Bye bye. <laughs>